What's up, everybody? It's Still Tripping Podcast. This is David. I'm here with my guest. I'm not going to tell you who my guest is yet. It's a surprise. It's a, it's like a reunion today, man. I haven't seen this young man in years. Super stoked, super psyched to talk to him. But before I get to that, if you guys have forgotten the past week, dude, go get yourself some stance socks. Quit. I mean, come on. I, this is the Still Tripping Podcast, but you need to quit tripping. Look at your socks. If they don't match, if they're busted, go from busted to bougie. Go down to Fashion Place Mall. Talk to my boys, Devin, Ben, all the guys down there. They will get you fitted. They'll get you dialed in. Or just go to stansocks.com. Or even better, if you're broke and you ain't got no money because you don't have a job or you're in between jobs, as some people like to say, <laughs> what you do is you just follow Still Tripping Podcast. That's Still Tripping Podcast on Instagram. Every week we run a different contest for you to win some fresh pair of stance socks. We got all different types of socks. I got bags of them waiting to give them away. Hit us up, enter the contest, and you will have a chance to win a brand new pair of stance socks or just go buy your own. Pick whatever you want. Maybe you don't like the ones that we got. Go get your own. StanceSocks.com, Fashion Place Mall. So, got a guest here. I've been waiting a long time to talk to him. I, I feel like I've been seeing you, you know, through social media so much. It's I haven't got the details of what's been going on in your life, but I'm super excited to start, talk to my young, my young entrepreneur friend, Scooter Cooper. Scooter. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? What's up, man? Good seeing you, man. Good seeing you. It's been a while. Yeah. So a quick background story before we jump into it. Um, I talk a lot about the quit trip and support groups that I've done for a lot of years. Um, Scoot was a loyal member back in his teen years. And uh, Scoot was just that guy. He would always do those mic drop statements and he would say, like, he'd kick back in the chair and say something super philosophical for a 16-year-old. And everybody would be like, whoa, man, that guy's got, like, some Buddhist knowledge. And then he would get a ticket leaving the group for speeding, jumping, you know, oh, Subaru. Man. Remember the one time he got that ticket? Yep. <laughs> oh, too many times. So Scoot was a perfect example of a teenager, really wise sometimes, not so wise some other times. Sometimes you just got to send it, dude. Sometimes you, know. you just got to press send, right? <laughs> so oh. anyways, um, but... Big reason why I had Scooter on the episode today and what we want to talk about today is he's a young entrepreneur. He's doing a lot of great stuff. But to get to that place, being a young person, it's not easy nowadays. No. It's really difficult to find what your niche is, what's going to, you know, I, I hear this a lot. People tell me and, and for rightfully so, they say, hey, I just want to make an impact. Well, sometimes making an impact takes a lot longer than we'd like it to be. Yeah. And sometimes oh, yeah. we don't make an impact on the world. Sometimes we make an impact on like our family. Maybe you make an impact on your best friend and that impact is like kind of like your your big life thing. It's not always going to be an impact on social media. It's not always going to be an impact on um, in the money category, like in your bank account. It may not be a yeah. big impact, yeah. but there's lots of ways to make an impact. So I want to scoot to come on and talk about how he kind of find his groove, how he found his groove, how he found his niche and all these amazing things he's been doing with it. So let's start off first by saying, so Scoot is a filmmaker, videographer, photographer, um, more specifically with action sports. I know you ventured outside of that. So yeah. Scoot, why don't you tell just in these past years, basically what you, projects you've been working on? Because I just think they're dope stuff that I want people to know about. Yeah, of course. Um, no, this past year, it's been insane. I mean, Obviously, uh, a few years ago, I think about four years ago, I took that internship and uh, went out to California to kind of, you know, just kind of dive head first in the whole filmmaking industry and see what it was about. So what was that internship exactly? Uh, so that was with a gentleman named Sawyer Hartman. Um, so he's done some stuff with Ron Howard. He does big music videos. And then he's, he's been a, a long time YouTuber. YouTuber for sure. Yeah. And that's probably what he's mainly that's known what, for. That's what he was known for. That's where he got his jump off, right? Yeah. So the... 
kind of just dove in with him and just kind of learned everything for two years, lived with him kind of day in, day out stuff, and uh, took that back home with me here in Utah and kind of started my own production company. And this last year has just been, I mean, crazy, man. We've worked on some Disney um, series. We've done two movies, um, just working with companies like GoPro and Samsung, and it's just been awesome. Nitro? Yeah. I'll, well, how could I forget? How did you I mean, get Nitro? So you got yeah. shots at Nitro Circus. Seriously. So, yeah. <clears throat> Nitro Circus, the last year I've been on tour with them. I think we hit oh, 14 countries in the last six months. So I haven't been home. I mean, my girlfriend's pretty mad at me. I've been living out of a suitcase for the last six months, but it's been good. Um, Luckily for you, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? That's kind of how... That's, what, that's, <laughs> that's how what you're trying to tell her, right? Until you get home and you know how it goes. So yeah. Yeah, it's been awesome and really just kind of working. I just got back from Japan working with Jamie O'Brien. I know you surfed with him out in Hawaii, so that was sick. Um, but yeah, dude, just really kind of blending the action sports and the filmmaking and just making it all happen. It's been good. So all that sounds great because it is great. But to get to that point, we're talking about before the podcast started to get to that point. It's not always easy to navigate to know, like a lot of people have a talent. They know they're good at something, but it doesn't always work out where your talent becomes your profession or how mm. you make money. Yeah. Sometimes people have a hobby, like their talent is really their hobby, but then they got to go to work. They got to go to a job. They got to pay bills. Yeah. And specifically with young people, it, it seems very evident to me that in today's world, and this is not young people's fault. So all you teenagers listening out there, this is not your fault. It just seems to be a, a nature of the beast. There have never been more opportunities, more ways that you can express yourself. Um, and when I say opportunities, opportunities just for jobs, for professions, um, to make a living and uh, to be out there in the world. The world's a lot smaller now. We can communicate through social media. A lot smaller. Technology <laughs> is just... We're on this fast track to so many great inventions. Everything just seems to be, it seems like one of the best times to be alive, specifically technology and opportunity-wise. But I work with a lot of young people who struggle with anxiety, struggle with depression, or just a lot of young people are dealing with that next phase of life. How do I go from a teenager into adulthood? There's been a path that my parents have been telling me their whole entire life. You go to college or you get a job, you do this. Um, you know, here locally, you know, with Mormonism being the predominant religions, like you go on a mission and all these paths are, are known paths. They're paths that really seem to be proven because lots of people have done it. But a lot of young people at times, they want to carve their own path. They want to do their own thing. Yeah, for sure. And so I want you to weigh in a little bit about how was it that you were able to find your path coming from where you came from? Because you weren't born in a ghetto. No, right? you weren't born on the the wild streets of South Central or here in West Valley, which is you know a little bit tougher of an area. So on the outside, sometimes it can look like someone like you just became successful one day because you had lots of opportunities. But what I'm finding is that there is a thing called paralysis by overanalysis. Mm. You can have too many opportunities, and it's difficult to make a decision. If you got two choices, it's actually easier to make a decision, but you don't have as much opportunity. Yeah, so a lot of sounds kids from nice. The, yeah, a lot of kids from the from the ghetto, rougher, social, economic, meaning their parents don't have a lot of money. It's a fancy word for saying that. They will find themselves in a situation where they have hard lives and it's kind of easy because they only got a couple of choices. You know, street life, military, get a basic job sometimes, go to college, right? And so since those choices are limited, 
seems like it's simpler. But they have a lot of struggle that seems to have purpose to it. Like it seems to me, and this is generalization, it seems to me the kids come from a harder background. They know a little bit more about themselves at a younger age because they're tested and pushed. Not well, so, yeah, protected. Yeah, not so protected. But in more of the you know middle to upper class, it's a different challenge. They have tons of opportunity, but not a lot of purposeful struggle to help them figure out who they are at times and what they should do next. And not necessarily the support to bridge the gap. Yeah, because when you have opportunities to, to do your own thing, sometimes the people who worked really hard, aka your parents, to pay for those opportunities, they want you to do the proven path. Do it their way. Yeah, they, they're not necessarily wanting to sponsor the unproven path. And again, this is a generalization. It's not always the case. But I think it's pretty safe to say that majority of parents want their kids to go down a path that they've seen other people do and be safer. And your path is not that safe path. It's not the path that a lot of adults at 40, 50 years old can say at your age that they did. Yeah. Some people did, but not a lot of people I did. I get a lot of adults come up to me and tell me like, oh, like I wish I would have done it like you did or I wish I would have had that approach towards this situation like you did. It's pretty interesting. I get a lot of like older people that I talk to tell me that. Well, go, go off on that for a second. So how did you go from being this young man that was coming to quit tripping? You had you know some family struggles, some life struggles to be able to find enough out about yourself to figure out what it is that was right for you to do with all the options out there. I think I just went, I, like the last thing I want is a pat on the back or anything like that. But I think I just went through so much that I just had enough. And I was sick of everyone telling me what I had to do or what I couldn't do or the right path. I mean, the way I grew up, it wasn't necessarily what everyone would see from the outside. You know, everyone kind of looking in would be like, oh, he has it all set up for him. It's all so easy. But that necessarily wasn't the path that I wanted. And so I was living this life that wasn't necessarily the route that I wanted to go. And so at the age of 14, I kind of made this decision. I was like, looking at everyone around me, I talked to a bunch of people who were older than me, and I was kind of just weighing everything out at this time. And I met with you. I was talking to you for about a year at this point. I was kind of figuring out where do I want to go? Like, where do I see myself? Like, I have everyone telling me I should do sports and take sports to college. I have a lot of people telling me I should take school serious and try to use education as my route. And and none of those were wrong or bad. No, but it wasn't what my heart was telling me. And I, I started to realize I was very different than most people at a very young age. And by different, I mean I just wasn't attracted to the same things. Like I just... Things that made me happy were, like you said, like going fast on a road and like getting a ticket. Like that just like... I get stoked on adrenaline. And so for me to have to sit in the classroom, I was actually telling my girlfriend a story earlier, but it was kind of embarrassing. In second grade, my teacher had my desk, like they had the quads of four desks that sit together. So you have groups. I was the one kid who they had the desk in the corner because I'd always distract other kids. I'd be making toys during class and like fiddling around. And so they always made sure to like kind of separate me. And so at that point, I was like, I knew something was up. Like, I knew there's just something different. And so I kind of took a different approach. I mean, I didn't necessarily go to high school. Um, I went to one year of high school, and then I dropped out and did some online school. And I did a lot of self-education. Education is so important. That's something that, like, I learned from a very young age and from everyone that was, like, super successful, from podcasts I was listening to to, like, different things I was getting into. YouTube, like YouTube, like all these um, creators of Facebook, they're putting out all these things, right? Gary Vee was on YouTube forever ago. 
And everyone was always like elaborating on education, education. But then I found that the education system wasn't working for me. So I was like, how do I bridge this gap, right? So I'm like kind of looking at this and I'm kind of looking at this and trying to like put the pieces together. And I kind of just did it my own way. I didn't like, I kind of just made my own path. Like there isn't like a right path, right? Like everybody's life is so different. And that's the thing that I hate about the education system is because we all have different home lives, but then we come to the same place. We all come from something different, but then we go learn the same thing. And I just felt like there's something wrong with that. Like you can't take all these kids and expect them all to learn the exact same way. Like it just doesn't work. And I hated school, man. So I got out of there and I did this like kind of self-education approach. And some people call it a blessing. Other people would, you know, say it's the worst thing to happen to them. But at the time, my family was split up. So I kind of could do whatever I wanted at the age of 15. And I was living at a buddy's house. And yeah, I wasn't going to school. And I was just kind of self-educating myself on what I wanted to learn and what I wanted to do. And I mean, that was, that's kind of like all I, I don't know, like, it's kind of really all I had kind of just getting stoked on just like kind of teaching myself new life skills. And as my friends were going to school and they were complaining about having to study for tests or doing these other things, I was practicing my other skills, which was action sports and going to the skate park and filming. And, um, well, let me interject for a second. Cause one thing, when you talk about education, you're right. Education isn't always just for school for some people. And I can see why you'd hate it because it wasn't working for you. Some people, and we all had those friends where it's like, I don't know, I just get A's. Like, it just comes easier. Like, that was what? my sister, dude. I hated those people. And then I always got I compared them. to her. Like, it oh, was yeah. always, oh, she gets A's, and how come you're like a DC average? And it's like, it, it didn't line up for my parents. But one thing that you didn't lack was extreme curiosity, and you're willing to put in the work to prove yourself. I was kind of hoping you were going to share, and you can do it right now, I was kind of hoping you are going to share that snowboarding story about you on the mountain with the kids that ditched you. Oh, that story has a special place in my heart. And I think it tells a lot about you because, you know, young people listening to this, it's you're not telling people, hey, this is how you're going to find a path. You can just simply share Dude, with this, them how you found I yours. I think you know? this story itself describes my whole life story because you tell me no, I will find a way to tell you yes five different ways. Just test me. And so snowboarding, I mean, let's jump back. I think I was 11 years old. And I had some buddies in school that were snowboarding, and they were the cooler kids in school. And so I got my dad to rent me a board. I didn't have my own board yet. And the dude at the rental shop adjusted the bindings wrong. So it was too small for my boots. So the toe strap wouldn't go all the way over. Well, I didn't know this. I was brand new to snowboarding. And so we're cruising, or we get to the mountain, and my buddies, they get up to the top and they just start cruising down. I couldn't get my board on. It took me like 30 minutes to finally, like, barely get it on, like, one little click cruise down they wait at the bottom like bro you suck like you take forever i'm like it wasn't my fault guys like it was the binding <laughs> well it was your one shot to hang out that the was the one you? shot to hang out with the cool kids in school and they ditched me and it my i felt at the time it was so now i look back and it was so dumb but at the time I, it's it just real my, though at the my time. whole life crushed around me and that, it just destroyed me and i was like oh, they think I suck. They're going to school and tell everyone I suck. And sorry, we weren't at the bottom. We were actually at the top of the hill when this happened. So they ditched me. They cruised down. They didn't want to wait anymore. They were like, we're done with you, bro. And I couldn't get my toe strap on. And I was probably 12 and I was crying on the hill and it just wasn't making sense for me. And one of my sister's best friends, 
she or he i don't know how he found me bro like he there was probably like freak like 12 other dudes that he was shredding with and like i was in no place that he should have been it made no sense and i know exactly where it is on the mountain i could go back there today was it snowbird uh brighton right okay. and um he cruises over to me he's like scooter and i was like i'm gonna call him out i was like chasing chasing anderson dude but yeah i was like chasing he's like bro what's going on and like i he like comes over i tell him what's wrong he's like oh you just gotta do this pulls out a screwdriver adjusts it for me shred with me for the rest of the day bro like i'll help you out and at that point on it was like game on like it was like the middle finger to everyone dude it was like i'm gonna be the best snowboarder on this mountain and i don't care like what anyone's gonna say and so that's kind of like what set that for me um with my life it was kind of like and you made it all the way up to um you were on the junior olympics weren't you, or you or i the... did the junior freeride tour junior which free ride tour, leads right. up to the swatch world tour which subaru holds and i uh took third in the world two years in a row um and then placed a bunch of times through a bunch of local comps. And then I ended up taking a gnarly crash, which blew out my elbow, um, filming a part for Nitro Snowboards. And that's kind of when I jumped on the other side of the lens, which brought in filmmaking. And um, that, I mean, again, that was kind of the thing that, just like snowboarding, I would snowboard and the filmer wasn't filming the angle I wanted. So I was like, ah, oh. so I'd go pick up the camera and do it, like show him the angle. And then finally I'd be like, oh, you just snowboard and I'll film. And um, same with like BMX, moto, um, kind of anything I get into. It's like if I'm bad at it, that's just so much more, I don't know, motivation to get better at it. That's just how I'm breeded, I guess. Well, go, going back to that story for a second, um, I'm just listening to that and I've heard it before. And, and I can tell we all have those moments in our life where there's something clicked, something changed. And for me, it sounded like because I've known you for a long time. Where you saw like all the opinions and the views of all like those popular group of kids that almost represented like the beautiful people, the beautiful, like the people you're supposed to compare yourself to. And you didn't really need them. You just needed a couple of the right people. You need someone that's like, hey, man, I'll help you out. And so you knew that it was important that you needed people to guide you and direct you. But you also need that you, it's like, that was a day where like, I got to take my own, I got to draw yeah. my own line. Like, I can't bro, go like, in the line everybody else. I got to go my own way. That's so true for life too. Like if you got your homies and you can keep your circle, like if you have a lot of friends, more power to you. But I can tell you, I can count my friends on one hand. Like my circle's small, but like my circle's strong. And like my circle would be there for you no matter what kind of thing. And it's taken me eight years to build that circle and there's been a lot of people that I thought would be in there and are not there anymore and I mean I I you don't know this I had a best friend who was my roommate who I helped get a job help pay rent for him help get him into his first car because we moved out when we were 17 um, me and three friends and he tried to kill me one night in my sleep and I woke up to him over me hitting my head in and um I mean, there you go. That just shows like you, you think your circles, like you think you got your homies and people change and life changes and you need to be able to adapt and just always be cautious of that kind of stuff, right? Because, you know, life changes, people change. So, Well, kind of summarize what you said. You didn't find your path by just you had tons of opportunities that, you know, your family was um, in a good enough position that they could sponsor everything you wanted to do because they could have sponsored a million different hobbies for you. But if you weren't driven and didn't exactly figure out what line was was for you to ride on, 
It didn't matter if you did snowboard or anything else. You weren't going to be successful at it. Yeah. Well, it was kind of interesting because mine was... It was kind of kind of like the tracks were already set for me, and I was just the train kind of driving on it. And I felt that at a very young age. And it, I felt it like very... The, the energy and the mindset I have towards doing things I love versus doing things that people are telling me to do, it was night and day. Like, as far as just my lifestyle, waking up in the morning and realizing I get to go snowboard and I get to go do what I love versus, oh, I got to go to baseball practice. I got to go hit a bucket of balls. Like, how do you know to trust? Because I like that analogy you use. It's like the tracks were already laid, right? I just had to go down it. But as a teenager, how do you trust to know that's not just your teenage emotions because you have this intensity to want to have fun as a teenager and it's natural, especially a lot of our listeners, they love snowboarding. They love this. They love all these different types of things, but how do you cut that out and figure out this is something that I is worth putting all my time and energy into? Cause a lot of people tell me they have five interests and they want to be really successful at all five of them, but they end up not putting a hundred percent into any of them. That's a problem. I mean, I hear so many people that are talk, but like, if I could say anything to anyone, it'd be like, then give 500%. If you want to try five things, here's the thing. Fail goal at full speed. Start with one, give it 100%. Then bring in that second one, give it 100%. Then go three. Like, I do so many things. I make money a bunch of different ways. It's not just doing one sport or one type of filmmaking or one anything. I'm I do a lot of different things, and that's if I could tell anyone to do anything, it's like my girlfriend tells me all the time, like, oh, you just spent all this money and tried this one hobby, and you're done with it in a month. It's like, yeah, but now I know I don't want to be a DJ. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I just spent yeah. way too much money at Guitar Center on all that equipment, yeah. but I'll tell you I'm not going to be a DJ. But it's like, try check it. that box. Yeah, but that's the thing, dude. If I'm going in, I'm buying the nicest tables. I'm going to speak. I'm... I want to experience it to the fullest and I want to be fully engaged. And like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'll be a DJ. Like I'll try some stuff on my Mac and kind of play around. That's cool. Like, you know, I granted not everybody like can, can make everything happen, but I, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Like, well, it, it reminds me of, and I don't know, other people might've heard something similar to this, but there's this thing. It's like, you can't really fail if you don't really go all the way in. 100%. And so that's this weird mind game that we can play with ourselves. It's like, I would have been a great DJ, but, you know, I just didn't really want to do it. You know, I, I want to try something else. As soon as we start to feel like something doesn't go our way, we balk. We, we pull out. We're like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. But if you go 100%, you're all the way in. Yeah. Well, and commitment's a big thing, too. Cause that, and that's something my girlfriend and I are, like, really kind of going through and I'm helping her through is I call it the three-year rule. If you're not willing to, if you're trying to do something, filmmaking, YouTube, a podcast, whatever, and you can't give it three years, because that's, people lack patience. And like, that's the biggest thing is time takes time. And if you're not willing to just try it consistently, do it once a week for three years and then say no, that's the problem is most people try it for three weeks, three days, and then they're over it. And like, and they feel like, oh, I checked that box. I tried. But did you really? Mm, yeah. And, and this is why I want to have this conversation with you because I know that, I mean, look how, if you would ask young Scooter Cooper at 17 years old, you'd have been like, I'm going to be a pro snowboarder. And you went for that as hard as you could. But I went going all for in. that 
allowed you to get to a place where then you could see another angle oh, which and was I'm, the film side of it. Yeah, and then through doing that first thing 110%, I would meet people throughout those years and they'd see my work ethic. They would see what I was capable of. And then, excuse me, three years later down the road, they would see me doing something else and they'd see that same drive and same work ethic. And that's how I landed that Disney series is I've known this guy for a while throughout my life. He's been watching my YouTube. He's been watching different things. And then randomly his son who saw my video went up and showed him. I was like, have you seen what Scooter's been up to? Called me. He's like, hey, we got a Disney series. We need an action sports filmer on. Can you do follow cam? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, so it, when people say, oh, I just wasted six months because I was trying to be a yoga teacher and it didn't work out or I was trying to be a stand-up comedian. No, the skills you learn, like trying that stuff, it's pretty, I mean, I see it now, maybe that's because I'm a little bit older and I'll still see it when I'm older, looking back at today, probably doing this podcast, but every little thing, I mean, you can take stuff away from everything, even the negatives. Like that's the biggest thing is like, I think all my drive and motivation from all the bull crap I went through growing up, like that's what fed the fire. I don't know. Like I get stoked I'm about this stuff, dude. Like, because... I'm laughing right now because I just had a total memory about something I forgot. So in full disclosure, Scoot and I met because um, his mom and my wife are good friends. And so we're family friends. And I got this, uh, what well, was new to me, it was brand new. I got this new Denali uh, SUV. And of course, you know, me being from California, you know, I'd take all the chrome off it, you know. I'd just stormtrooper it out. It was all white. Though, yeah. I had to black it out, you know, black all the chrome out. Respectable. And... um. And I remember I had these brand new stock Denali tires. I'm like, what am I going to do with these things? I don't need these things. I had these big 24s on them now. And I remember I was talking to Scoot one day, and you're saying like, like you needed money for something. Like I need it. Like I need to get money for something. I go, tell you what, Scoot. I go, if you sell these tires for me, I said, whatever you sell them for, like you know, if you sell them for this much, like any amount over this is yours. So I just said that, not thinking anything about it. So, 24 hours later, Scoot calls me up. I sold your tires. I'm going to come pick them up right now. I'm like, wait, what? You sold them? So like, yeah. And I sold them for even more than I thought he could sell them for. I'm like, you sold them for, like, it was like 500. And I'm like, if you get anything over 300, keep. So I get to keep the 200. I'm like, all right, deal's a deal. Yep. And he came picking up and sold it. And I remember thinking about that. I'm like, that little, I'm like, what? Like, I was really impressed because you're like, wait, you give me a chance? I'll go for it. And you knew at that moment, you could have been like, Oh, you know, it's just a hundred bucks, just 200 bucks because, you know, your family has money. It's like, what's 200 bucks to you? Be like, no, you saw more as a chance to prove to yourself and to prove to me that you could do that. And also you knew that I wanted to get rid of the tires. Like I could help him. I could make a little bit of money and I can prove that I could do something. You'd never sold tires on KSL before. Yeah. You just like, all right, give me the pictures. I'll sell. Boom. Less than 20. I think it was less than 24 hours. You had them sold. Do you remember that? Yeah. No, I mean. That was, I always had like this little entrepreneurship side of me. I still do. I mean, like my girlfriend gets mad at me, but I'll be up till 1230 at night looking on KSL for free stuff and you'll find a grill. I'll go pick it up, flip it for 200 bucks. And like, I'll do that all the time till to this day. I, I love but is, that. Isn't that really just more? Cause I, I don't like when people say, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur like that. I think it's just a, like a calculated risk. It's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. I put an ad out there. No one doesn't. I mean, no one calls me about the ad. Okay, well, if I put out 10 out there, maybe someone called me about the ad. That's all an entrepreneur is. Yeah. And you're, you're taking calculated risks. I, I take that like into my filmmaking and my snowboarding and all my, like everything I do, it's all calculated risk, right? So it's starting your own business. So yeah. Um, well, let, let's, let's do this real quick. So, excuse me, a little 
Uh, man, I've been pounding lots of water. And also, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, keep on burping, man. So hopefully you guys didn't hear none of that. Um, but let's do this in, in wrapping up right now, you know, we've talked about, you know, kind of how you found your path, how you, how you worked through some different things. I, I love some of the lessons you, you said, you really enjoy and love what you do, correct? hundred percent. I mean, I could tell I, you I live my here. life by that, like 100%. And that's something I told myself growing up, seeing my family separate, seeing a lot of being a part of the group and seeing a lot of just hearing people's family stories. I told myself I'm never going to live a life where I don't wake up every day and I'm not stoked, no matter what. I could be broke on the street. It doesn't mean that day doesn't have lows, but you're going to find a stoke in every, every day. Everything has lows. Bro, I was driving home the other day from a job and a semi sent a rock like that big through my windshield and completely destroyed it, and I just fixed it two months ago. Every day you're going to have lows. but How you respond, huh? Bro. We're alive, dude. Like, how sick is that? Like, we're chilling here. Like, we were just talking about the homies that, like, we both have. You were out in Hawaii. We have mutual friends. Now he's coming down to Utah. Like, the fact that you can have lifelong connections and just good vibes, dude. Like, that's what's up. And I don't know. Maybe it was the childhood. Just quit tripping, bro. But, like, (laughs) dude, that's life. Well, one thing that you, I think, is because I've known you for so long, you've been a really great representation you know, I think it's safe to say, and a lot of young people, people in general can relate to this. You know, you're definitely your, your worst critic, like hands down. 100%. Like you're hands down your worst critic. But you've, like you talk about be stoked every day. Ever Dude, since I, I get psyched. Ow! <laughs> ever since I've known you, it's more than that for you. You actually say to other kids when they're doing something good, like you do not, you don't shy away from complimenting other people and trying to stoke other people out. You know what I think that's from though? I think that's from so many years of, and again, not to get a pat on the back, but I think that's from so many years of not getting that from what I loved. I'd get it all the time baseball, but I go to the skate park and film a cool trick and go home. That wasn't cool. So you know what it feels like to not get that like... That's what's up. Oh, anytime a kid does something cool at the skate park, I'm that kid like dancing on the other side. Like, let's get psyched. And they're like, oh my God. Like, okay. Like I'm that dude at the park, but I just want to hype people up, man. Like, but what does that do for your, for, for your, for your happiness, for your stoke though? I was, anytime. It's just like giving a present on a holiday, dude. Like anytime you see somebody else happy, it makes you happy. And like, if you could, if you could imagine a world where everybody wakes up and makes each other happy. That's a dangerous world, bro. So stoking other people out, complimenting other people is really one of the best ways for you to deal with your own lows. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of, like, you you can tuck a lot of it away, but reality is it's there. And if you can just, like, almost do the opposite for other people, yeah. I mean. You know, my my partner on my other podcast, she always says, um, uh, what is it? We we compete with our strengths, and we relate with our weaknesses. So when you see another kid bummed out at the skate park or on the hill, see he's down. It's like, dude, you compliment that person. If- I see myself on the hill that day when that kid. If that kid wouldn't have come up to me, I probably wouldn't have continued snowboarding. Probably wouldn't have got myself into filmmaking. I do not know where I would be today. Like, so you you can relate to people that they didn't get that. One person in the handout, and then it puts them on a path that's so easily feeling like their life didn't give them any opportunity to be happy. And I, I really am glad you came here on the podcast today and, and shared some of those life tips and some of the things that you've learned just through your own experiences. 
because it's not a secret here in not just Utah, but in the United States, got a lot of young people. The comparisons for us to, for a young person to have thousands of people to compare themselves to can sometimes make you feel like you don't measure up. Hmm. But when you're looking at other people and giving, even in a competitive nature, you know, like if you're in a competition with someone and giving them props, giving them high fives, like, you know, you did a great job, whether you win or whether you lose, not putting it in someone else's face that you beat them and also not dissing yourself that they beat you, but congratulating them there. It's does something with our, for our psyche that helps us learn and grow. And I think you're a great example of that, Scoot. You're one of those positive young men that have ever come through the group. But I also remember you saying that you low key, like I'm the most angriest kid you've ever known, but you would have no idea I was angry. You know, nobody would know and nobody would know. So I'm so stoked on everything you're doing. I'm so glad that you are working with so many young action sports athletes, being involved with so many projects to be able to share your stoke with everybody else. Because let's face it, there's a lot of people out there that are struggling to have that person like that young man did for you on that on that day on that hill being like, dude, you can ride with me for the day. Yeah. Changes people's lives, dude. Sometimes all it takes is just a few words, but I mean, those few words can stick with somebody for a lifetime. Silly as that sounds. Well, I got a feeling that Scoot's going to be a repeat offender here on the Still Tripping Podcast. Oh, let's I think, get I think, it. I think we got some 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 little projects in store in the future that yeah, you might be able to help us out with. We got some things to talk about, You got a about, camera, man. right? You got yeah. a camera. I know a lot of young people. Let's get on the tools, together. man. Let's get all the tools together. Well, thanks for coming on the Still Tripping Podcast. Oh, thanks, man. everybody, Thank for you. listening. Remember to go to Still Tripping Podcast on IG. Follow us. Enter the contest if you want some dope stance socks. And until next time, be cool. We out. Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a mental health professional, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional on the Still Trippin' podcast.